There's something new happening. Okay. That makes me nervous. Yeah. Is this recording? It's recording us. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, baby. Thanks for the heads up. Calm down. Hey. Hi, baby. Hi, Sukasa. I missed you. I missed you too. Hi, viewers. Welcome to Calm Down Queen. I missed you too. Did you miss me? I missed you so much. Oh my God. Tell me how much. Um. Like the desert misses the rain. Oh, that that is terrible. <laughs> that's a song. You I know, okay. I know. It's so nineties of you. That's you know. That's when I was one. Oh, right. So uh, you're delusional. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Sukasa, the reason we I miss we've all missed you is because you've been traveling. You know? I was traveling. But before we get to your travel, let's tell our viewers what they are in store for today. Let's do it. Talk about our guest. Well, okay, we have a very special guest today. Um, we actually brought somebody intelligent onto the show. Because you just insulted everyone else who's been on the show. <laughs> that is more directed at us okay. than our other guests, because all of our guests are brilliant in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we have Don Romesberg on our show today, yep. and he is a brilliant uh, historian, mm -hmm. um, as well as a professor at Sonoma State University. Mm -hmm. And he's going to um, get real heady with us. And talk about important things. <laughs> yeah, I said heady. I love good head. Important things in queer history. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. I'm and excited about that. And we're also going to talk about where I've been. Where have, yep. Uh, what we're wearing. What we're wearing. And See what um, the dogs I'm mostly going to talk because I know all you've done the past two weeks is sit around waiting for me to get home. It's true. Mm -hmm. So you have nothing to talk about. I've mostly been sitting outside of your apartment. The police told me that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. I got, there's a... There's one officer I like, and then there's like three who are just not cool. I think we should record our court date for a podcast oh, episode. That's going to be really fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you, well, let's start with what are you wearing? What are you wearing, Vivi? Sukasa, I want to describe what you're wearing. Okay. It appears to be a large um, paper bag from Whole Foods mm -hmm. with uh, holes cut out for the arms. Yeah. And then actually holes cut out for the nipples, which I've noticed you're lactating. Mm. This is a new, new look for you. On your head face area, you have your normal or abnormal face stamped on. Mm -hmm. The blue eyeshadow, the red cheeks, the red lips, glitter lashes. You have the Sioux hair, big and blonde. Mm -hmm. But there is a um, what appears to be a live lizard mm. in your hair and a raw egg broken on the top. Mm. And down below, there's absolutely nothing. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel really good about it. <laughs> I feel really good about it. And Vivi, yes. you, really, you really turned it out today. Um, Vivi is wearing a very large um, orange brimmed hat. That's true. Yeah, she thought it was going to be a beach day when I picked her up. Mm -hmm. um, we're not at a beach. We're not at the beach in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to put in some beach sounds right now. Oh, good. Like seagulls. Mm -hmm. um, and below her hat, yes. um, she's not wearing much because she assumed it was sort of going to shade her. Mm. Uh, but she is wearing a Little Miss Hot Mess tank top. That's true. Uh, we miss you. Hope New York is fun. Love you, Hot Mess. Let's pretend you listen. Um, and below that is a simple acid wash thong <laughs> with flip flops. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where you get those kind of flip flops. Well, uh, Kmart, there's, there's, there's SpongeBob SquarePants flip flops. That is what it is. I knew it was a character that I was unaware Children of. Children size nine. Yep. So I glued, I glued some um, Tupperware containers on the back to cover the part <laughs> that didn't have flip-flop under my foot. And that is what Vivi looks like. It's amazing that she survives on a daily basis. It's so true. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Do You're you back. Any- We're back. We're back. I You're know. back. Do you have anything you even want to talk about? Well, since we last talked, I hosted the event Fucked with Honey Mahogany. Right. Which was a wild success. Really, really fun. I think people, the audience really didn't know how shady we were going to actually get with the show. And we were shady. We dropped water balloons on people. Oh. We had like a hugging contest where people had inflated balloons all over their bodies and they mm-hmm. had to hug each other and pop them. Okay. Um, people had this like private makeout time, but then we revealed their making out to the whole world. And then at the end, we have this twist where you have the final couple and you can either choose the date or the money. And there's this way in which it gets very shady. So we had, we had people... Um, we had someone choose the money and win all of the money while their other person really wanted to date with them and they totally lost. Does that make sense? It did make sense. Okay. I mean, I was aware of the backstory, but I, I get that it's shady. Yeah. When yeah. is it going to happen again? Um, we're working on that. We're looking, okay. we're looking into making it happen again. People really, everyone who was there had a great time. Mm-hmm. Sister Roma stayed for the whole thing, oh. which is great. I mean, she's, I love Sister Roma, but she usually like comes in and comes out. You yeah, know? she's busy. So it was, it was special in that way. Well, I, I know everybody wants a date with me, so I'm sure that I'll be part of the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's going to yeah. happen. Can I tell you where I've been? Oh, please do. Yeah, it's much more exciting than where you've been. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that seemed to genuinely upset you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I was all over the place. I was back east, so let's let's confine it somewhat. Iran, you were in Iran. I was I was back east in Iran. Sounds fun. Um, what did you wear? Some people call it New York. Oh, weird! I've never heard Iran called yeah, New York before. But I do. So I was um, in New York. I was in Cape Cod. I was in Boston, um, and. I guess I'll just start with New York because that's where I started. Yeah. Yeah. So I arrived in New York. I actually was Facebook messaging with your brother. That's so weird. I know it's weird for you. Um, we tried to get together, but it just didn't happen because New York is busy. Is it? It's it's busy place. That's not what I hear about yeah. it. People I heard are that everyone's friendly and the slow pace. Yeah. No, it's not. Oh. That's a different place. Okay. That is Fire Island, which is where I went <laughs> for the weekend. Tell me about Fire Island. So Fire Island was great. We were there for Labor Day, so obviously it was very crowded. Every gay in the world was going out. Um, I want to know, can I ask you questions? Yeah. Who were you with? So I was with a bunch of friends, um, some that I, I knew here, mm-hmm. that have either moved to New York or happen to also be there, and some of their friends. So I'd say there's about um, a dozen of us throughout the weekend kind of coming and going in this house, and I knew maybe seven or eight of them. Um, okay. beforehand. Uh, so I met some new people, did some mingling, and everybody in the house was absolutely lovely. Okay. Um, it was sort of a house share and um, three bedrooms, and so there were various people staying in places. So um, what was your... Is this your first time there? It actually is my first time to Fire Island. You and think, like, you know, as a 92-year-old gay man, yeah. I would have been before? That would have I been. haven't. So what did you... <laughs> what part of Fire Island were you staying in? Uh, so we're in the Pines, of course, because that's where you stay. If you don't know, the pines there's and the Pines grove. and, like, yeah, the Grove. And the Grove has a ferry directly from Long Island, uh-huh. and so it, it brings that crowd that can just kind of come for the day. Oh. And to get to the Pines, they would have to walk through these sand dunes and woods, which is called the Meat Rack, which is sort of self-explanatory. So Because uh, they use it for drying prosciutto. And yes. It's pork. a salami fest. Gross. I know. And so people... <laughs> Actually, it's a deterrent for some to mm-hmm. go from the grove to the pines. Okay. For others, it's encouraging. So it depends on what you're into. Does that mean you took the ferry to the grove and then had to walk your stuff through the grove? No, we took right? the ferry to the pines. Oh, you can do that. You can do that. Okay. Yeah. So we stayed in the pines uh, and went to the grove a couple of times. And you um, had to walk through the meat rack. So we had to walk through the meat rack. And a lot of things happened there. To you or with you? or. Um, 
All of it, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time we went through, um, so I had not been there before, and so it was already dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through, and uh, my friend was using his flashlight. On his phone. On his phone. And I was like, that just doesn't feel right. You can't use a flashlight. Like, we need to just do this old school. Like, we got to walk through the woods in the dark. I just want to do it. Because the moon was bright enough. I okay. felt guided. Um, and so <laughs> we're walking. There's a part where it's sort of narrow and woody before it actually opens up into full sand dunes. And we're turning this corner, and there's this piece of chain link fence just hanging out with some trash bags. Um, and all of Which a sudden, is what you, what you call the rest of the friends that you were with. <laughs> Wait, so it was, it was just a chain link fence? Just a chain link fence. And like, like six of your a friends. A piece of it, like okay. a six foot wide piece of scrap chain link fence. Oh, just, just propped up against some trees. Okay. How it got there, we'll never know. No? Mm-mm. And some trash bags. And Maybe there used to be a used car lot right there. there that's possible. Could I don't done. think that that's true. Okay. But that was really great. Thanks for your contribution to the story. Um, and so it's like six of us were walking and, uh, it's late, it's dark. We're headed to an underwear party. So we're feeling festive. Were you in your underwear only? No. Okay. You, you bring clothes with you. It was a little chilly. Okay. So we bring clothes with us and, um, and then all of a sudden the, the chain link fence just starts to shake and move. Mm-hmm. And then it flies over. These trash bags fly and this thing just charges us. You're serious right I'm now. serious. Are you like, making this up? I'm not making this up and we all fucking shriek, like just six gay men squealing and screaming like they're about to die because yeah. we didn't. I thought it was like, it's either a werewolf. A um, what? A werewolf. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know I say wolf. Um, a vampire? I thought, oh no, my friend next to me is going to die, especially when I pull him and push him in front of me. Mm-hmm. Human shield. Um, it could have been a rapist because we're in the meat rack and... I know. almost said something really horrible. I know, but you didn't. Um, and, but it was a deer. Which is still really scary. Wait, so the deer moved the fence? The deer, because it was like behind the fence eating the garbage. And then it hurt oh. us, and then it just charged through the fence. Oh, wow. And came charging at us, like, in the dark. And then it saw us and got scared and took a, a quick jaunt to the left. And it took us about a half an hour <laughs> to, come back to come down. down. We were all like, calm down, Quaint. <laughs> um, but literally we talked about it and talked about it. We were screaming. It was one of those moments where I hadn't had in a long time that I didn't know what was happening until it was all over. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, usually you can process as it's happening. I was like, it was all like, so quick and so much. dark. It was too much. So <laughs> Kind of like one of your drag numbers. Like, I'm not sure what happened. Oh, thank and you. And then it ends, and like 15 minutes later, after the adrenaline has gone from your system, yeah. you stop crying. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's what oh, That's what Sue's concept was. Yeah. Well, that was generous of you. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> to say that you're the concept. Yes. <laughs> So, but that happened and it was great. And then you went to an underwear party. And I went to an underwear party. And so you just check your clothes. You get a little wristband. Do you have to? Uh, you don't have to. It would be weird if you didn't. I would say and there's maybe 5% of people not in their underwear. So I've always wanted to go to Fire Island. Okay. I'm from Long Island, which is the big island north of Fire Island. Thank you. <laughs> and... um. But I'm just curious, an underwear party at Fire Island, was it Labor Day weekend? Mm-hmm. Is that like a circuit party? You know, I, I wasn't sure what it would be like. Not quite. It definitely was a club. I wouldn't say there were glow sticks, but it was certainly dancey music. Um, was everyone have huge muscles? Shaved bodies? Or were there Not players? necessarily shaved bodies. Um, everyone had a six pack. So I think when you... Everyone. Move, everyone. Like, apparently when you move to New York, they just give you one. They're like, oh, welcome to New York. Here's your six pack. That's so crazy. Really? Everyone has Everyone. So it took me about three vodka crayons to feel comfortable in my underwear. 
So is that how you start your day? You put on your underwear and then you're like, I'm so <laughs> uncomfortable. Totally. And you have three vodka pants. Yeah. Like, and, then I'm like, and then I'm good. And then you put your pants and your shirt on. I don't wear pants, as most people notice. Okay. So, yeah, that's true. so yes, I usually put on a negligee at that point after three vodka crans. So I got into it. I got comfortable. I mean, so comfortable that I explored the back room of the underwear party. And? And... Um, there was a deer. <laughs> there was a deer and it jumped out at me. <laughs> at first I didn't know what it was. No, there were six then, trash bags. <laughs> and then things happen, you know, that do. You're not going to tell us what happened in the background. This is private. I have a private life outside of this podcast, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will share is that then, I, you know, I arrived with five friends, but I left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I'd never been. It's... It's fairly late. It's 3.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dark. I now have to find my way back to the Pines, and I have no idea how. You can't it's take a just, cab? There's no cars on Fire Island. There's no vehicles. You really? can take a water taxi. I don't know that they're running at that time of night, and I don't know how that works. Like, the I phrase water taxi is just Right? Instant. And then you still have to walk. No. But all it is is, like, there's one dirt path down the middle, mm-hmm. um, and so some service vehicles can go on that from the stores. Or more, they're like motorized carts. Uh, the rest is just boardwalks, and mm-hmm. so it really is a series of boardwalks, mm-hmm. and it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the dark, just going down every single boardwalk mm-hmm. until I either get to the end or to a corner that doesn't look familiar, and then I backtrack, mm-hmm. and then I go down the next one. Oh my god. Um, and I finally, after like, and it should take you about a half an hour total to get from door to door. It took me about an hour. Not too bad, but no. um, I thought maybe I'm just going to have to lay down until someone finds me. Which in the meat rack would be like, what, 15 minutes? Totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I eventually found the meat rack because there was some sort of a rave happening on the beach since I just followed oh, the music. got it. Okay, got it. Um, oh, so, so I, you were lost before you even got to Yeah, the meat like rack. I was trying to get out of the grove. Oh, okay. Um, I, just, I was like, I'm going to end up in Long Island. I don't know how it works. Um, but I eventually found my way to the meat rack. Um, and then I got, I'm using air quotes, I got lost a little bit in the meat rack. There's all these crevices. You just go in. <laughs> uh, we need to we need to figure out something else to be funny about besides sex. It's... I, but it's just funny. Sex with Sue is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got a little bit lost there. Eventually made my way home. Yeah. Um, one of my friends did not, and over the course of the weekend, lost a total of three flip flops in the meat rack. Three different flip. Three different flip flops, um, which he then during the day went back and retrieved and actually found. I think it was just an excuse to go back to yeah. the meat rack, right? It's yeah. sort of like... It's like when you leave your jacket in someone's car. Right. Mm-hmm. Or your jewelry at a trick's house. Then Ju- you have... Your jewelry. When you take out your navel ring before <laughs> yes. fucking. And you put it delicately on there. And then I'm like, oh, I have to come back. I left my ring. Yeah. yeah. I don't want my navel piercing mm-hmm. to close up. That is think, disgusting. Okay, I think it's time to move on. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Do, I have do a whole you... other half of my trip. Wait, there's more? There's more. Ugh. I mean, I, I know Fire Island was part of it, but we can talk about that next let's time. Let's catch it up on the next episode. Okay. Um, let's do it. Let's go into... Let's do what Vivi's reading. Okay. Will you sing us in? I would... I, oh. But there's a song for when you read? Yeah, we did it last time. What did I sing? I don't know. You're the musician. Girl. <laughs> what if I don't want to sing? I will sit here in silence until you sing. This is going to be an amazing episode. Please sing. <laughs> Vivi is reading. Perfect. Here it is. What are you reading, Vivi? Well, Sue, um, I'm working on a project 
that I'm doing some research for for my day job, which... That was a lot of big words. <laughs> project research. Mm -hmm. Day job. I don't appreciate Do you know when you lie. Okay. <laughs> um, but this book is called The History of White People. It's by Nell Irvin Painter. Hmm. Um, and I'm very early in the book, so it's it's really traces the... It's not the history of white people, like... It's, it's more about the social um, construction of whiteness as an identity, and okay. thusly all race as an identity in general, with okay. a focus on the specific development of whiteness as an identity. Okay. It starts in ancient Greek times, um, and it talks about how at that time people were described not by their physical attributes as much as the uh, environment, like like weather, actually, like the climate that they were in, as okay. well as the geography. Huh. So people living... Uh, near wet areas were considered softer and less aggressive or like uh, people who and then it and then it, it develops from there right and then it's proximity to the city describes a person or then like certain cultural habits describes a person um, and then it goes into race or, or physical attributes okay race being constructed but there's this part and I'm reading this not to say like oh there were white, white slaves too but like there's this part that talks about white slavery in America and her point throughout this section is that um, is that like for some like when we think of slavery in America, it's black people, and that um, by denying that there were white slaves too, it somehow makes it allowable to be uh, for white people to be dominant of black people, right? Because they started as slaves, but actually white people were enslaved a lot too. Like mm -hmm. it's not based on blackness or whiteness; it's based on a lot of things. So it's it's kind of trying to remove the the inherited power dynamic from that history. Okay. But, there's this in, but I found this really interesting because I didn't know this. So um, it's on page 41. It's a paragraph. A first shipment of 100 homeless children landed in Virginia around Easter in 1619, some four months before the arrival of 20-odd Negroes, became the symbolic ancestry of African Americans. And so it went with Africans and Britons, both ostensibly indentured servants living under com complete control of their masters, subject to sale as chattel at any time. And then, um, at this point in the 17th century, Britons, male and female, outnumbered Africans in American tobacco fields. Even by the middle of the century, when Virginia's population of settlers numbered about 11,000, only some 300 were African. Any of them, African, British, Scottish, or Irish, were lucky to outlive their terms of service. Of the 300 children shipped from Britain between 1619 and 1622, only 12 were still alive in 1624. So, I just thought that was really... I didn't know about... I knew about like white slavery and right. history overall in Europe, but I didn't realize that it was still happening that much in America. As I said, I'm still in the beginning of the book, but it's a really good book. I think white people should read it. Okay. Um, and non-white people? Sure. Yeah. People of color should read it too, but it seems, it seems a little bit geared towards an understanding of an identity that like, you know, given our systems of power and privilege in the United States, white people do not have to. Um, confront their privilege or their the implications of their identity, mm -hmm. and so this is really like a very straightforward, step by step, historical, well annotated mm -hmm. thing that's documenting the development of this as an identity. Okay, which also then can can show you the development of other identities within the same power structure. And does it start to get into privilege yet or not? Yeah, for is sure. That, okay. I mean, that um, I'm at, the section right now is about white beauty okay. and how um, the white beauty stuff. Oh, I know a lot about that. Wow. That just shut you down. <laughs> it's just such a lie. Like, <laughs> and all of our viewers know that that's a lie, so I just don't know why you feel... Are you okay? Or do you feel compelled to lie today? I do. You know. I'm sorry. 
for this section of it is about <laughs> the establishment of like the white standard of beauty in Western cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to like, it actually, she frames it around um, the standard of beauty as based on certain white slaves in Europe and how there were certain enslaved peoples who were considered the most beautiful, mm-hmm. but they were all uh, white, uh, lightly complected. Right. And then it talks about, um, yeah, so then how the, how lighter skin became equated with beauty and like not only beauty, but a standard of beauty that you could see across the world as opposed to a cultural preference. Okay. So, I mean, I'm very early in the book yeah. and it's, it's a, it's very easy to read. It is a lot of history. So it's dates, 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 which okay. isn't my thing, but it's super interesting. You don't like dates? No, only one night stands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear how this one ends. <laughs> read the book. It sounds interesting. If, no, if I read, I would read it too. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to let you tell me about it. I could maybe buy, buy it for you an Audible or Write up some cliff notes. Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. That's exactly what white people need on the bookshelf. Yeah. The cliff, cliff notes, notes of the history of, of, the of, white, history white, people. of white people. Yeah. yeah. Great. Super. There's not enough of it out there. That was a pretty... We usually don't get that serious. Yeah, I know. You bring. You always bring this serious. I can't help it. Let's get away from that. Let's do Sue Let the Dogs Out. Sue Let the Dogs Out. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my god. So, Scruff has really been a treat lately. You were in New York. Because I was traveling. Yep. Um, So, I was actually in um, the metropolitan area of New York and Fire Island. Mm -hmm. So, that was, you know, lots of gays and exciting. And then I went to P-Town after that. Um, We'll get to those at some point. But in between, I was um, in the woods where my family lives. So just far away from the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was my first time actually now having scruff since it's still fairly new for me. Um, my first time traveling to see my family and having scruff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very excited to open it when I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly curious to see if I would see anybody from high school because mm-hmm. it's still the same town that I grew up in um, or any of my family's friends, mm-hmm. right? Like, am I going to know somebody on scruff? Mm-hmm. The most, I think, shocking part the closest person was four miles away. Like, oh, that's see. unheard of, you know, like right. being in cities, like someone is, someone is always literally negative six inches away from yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, four miles. But that sounds fairly like normal for like a suburb of New York. Absolutely. Like you're from an out, outlying land of New York. And it's, it's what I imagined. I guess I just had an experience and so it's just a perspective, right? Like, it made me realize like how important that is. Right? Scruff. Yes. Like things like that, right? Oh, like, right. I'm like, I don't oh, right. really need it in the city because I could just walk outside. Right. You're like, oh, hey, gay, hey, gay, hey, gay, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, there, and there's no bar. Like, there's nowhere to congregate as right. a gay person in mm-hmm. this area. Um, and so, Scruff is a great place, mm-hmm. right? There were, um, I guess I'd say mixed reactions, which normally means I got blocked a lot. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. And I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, you know, the hard part is then I have to walk four miles to get laid, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't have a car. So oh, you didn't? You, right. I don't have the autonomy. Like, I'm just... Oh. So, um, so I did chat with um, a 50-something bisexual man married to a woman. Okay. Um, all I had to go on was a picture of his man boobs that he'd posted on Scruff. Mm-hmm. Um, he clearly did not do a lot of working out in the chest area. Okay. Um, or he did. Or he... That's true. I think he might have been lactating. Um, but so I, you know, I get my little backpack on because I don't know what's going to happen or what I'm going to need. And I start my venture, um, my four-mile venture, mm-hmm. to go meet up with him because mm-hmm. I want to meet somebody. Yeah. He's like the only person who's actually mm-hmm. showed a real sexual interest in Sue. 
Um, ever. Ever. My whole life. And so <laughs> the whole time I'm like, what if it's someone I know, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if this is my dad's friend? Like, that's going to get real awkward. Oh, that's so hot. Right? That sounds hot. really. No? Um, I don't know your dad. Right. Just, I mean, plus I don't, I don't know, like, is, you know, is this an open marriage? I don't know how they do it here. Okay. Right? Like, I wouldn't think about it in San Francisco, right. but... Everything's open. This is not, like, the usual. The norm there is monogamy, and he's married, so this feels like, am I an infidelity? Is mm-hmm. that what's occurring right now? And he's obviously being very discreet, which I'm not. Um, so I start walking, and, and we're chatting. Um, and Are you in full suit? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just walking through town. And, I mean, four miles in seven-inch heels is... A real bitch. Mm-hmm. A real bitch. We don't use the B word on this podcast. Um, I do when I'm talking about how my feet hurt. Okay. Yeah. But can we get back to that word? Go ahead. Okay. Um, so it's a really long walk. Okay. So by mile two, my feet are bleeding. Mm-hmm. Our chat's really taken a turn, right? Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I'm now interested. Right. Like, you're just... He has no sense of humor. Okay. Was part of the issue. Yeah. Um, but then also more clearly, like, I don't know what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. He's not telling me. Mm-hmm. Like, am I, is he into drag queens or, or what's going on? And, and it just felt like it was going to be disappointing. Mm-hmm. So I'm at that halfway point. Like, okay, I can either walk two miles back, mm-hmm. my feet still bleeding, or walk another two miles, and then I've got four more to go. Right. Right? So six miles or two miles. Right. Wow, you're good at math. Mm-hmm. So I just took all my clothes off because I just couldn't anymore. You were right? just stressed. And my feet were bleeding. Too stressed out. Um, so I just took them all, all off. All of your clothes. All of them. And the shoes. Yeah. You kept the shoes on? Yeah. Okay. Um, shoes on or off? On. On. Shoes yeah, on, I clothes kept, off. I took them off, took the clothes off, and then I put them back on. Got it. Because if you're not wearing heels, you're not doing drag. That's what I heard. Um, so I put them back on, um, and then I tried to find someone closer, like, mm. please. And I just called my brother. And I was like, can you come pick me up? Oh. I, I know. When you said I just called my brother, <laughs> I was concerned. So we came and picked you up? Yeah. And you were and, naked? Yeah, with shoes. Which so is not and really and naked. And hair. Wearing shoes. And hair. Yeah. Top and bottom. Yeah. Nothing, and he's, he's very lovely and um, you know, supportive. So um, I let him know that I was in the middle of the woods, naked and alone, and I need help. <laughs> So I don't know that I'm going to use a lot of scruff when I'm there, okay. but it's good to know that it exists. Mm-hmm. I wish that same deer had jumped out of you. Me too. Words. Me too. That would have made it. It would have and said hi or woofed at me. <laughs> so yeah, so really not much happened on scruff. No, nothing. Right? Nothing like, really. But it was just interesting seeing who was on it. And um, the one other person I did chat with was actually from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So now we can meet up. Actually, I got a text message from you that said, I'm chatting with someone from San Francisco. Uh, from while I'm at home and I just won $100 in quarters? I did win $100 in quarters. Yeah. That is not related to Scruff. You, I think you thought it was one of those advertisements on Scruff where oh, you win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I legit won 1,000 quarters. 1,000 quarters. quarters. Is that, what is that, $10? $250. Wow, your math sucks. <laughs> so, um, oh my God, until now I've been doing that. Like when you sent me that text, uh, I was like, oh, what's 1,000 dimes? Like I didn't even, okay, yeah, good story. 1,000 quarters. Um, What'd you do with that money? Um, I saved it and then spent it in P-Town. Great, perfect. Yes. Which we'll get to on our next episode. I hope so. But okay. that's really it for Scruff. Okay. Sorry that it was a little bit boring. Will you but sing us out to our next section? Yeah. What's our next section?
Welcome back. Thanks, Sue. Welcome back to Calm Down Queen. It is time for our interview of the day, and I want to tell you who we have. Yep. Are you ready? So ready. We have um, a dear friend of mine, and also an amazingly wonderful person, uh, Don Romesburg. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you about him, and then we'll introduce him. Um, Don is the chair of Sonoma State University Women's and Gender Studies Department, um, and also founded Sonoma State University's Queer Studies Minor. Um, he's trained as a historian and in interdisciplinary gender sexuality studies emphasis. <laughs> 17 S's on that. Oh, as a guy. Um, he has a lot of publications that have ranged from queer history to the history of queer adolescence and queer transracial adoption to the history of queer and trans performers. Um, Don is also the curator of the GLBT History Museum. Um, in addition, he is working uh, on being the lead editor of Making the Framework Fair. Um, a report which calls upon California's Department of Education to make comprehensive revisions to include LGBT history and K-12 education. And that is something I hope we talk about. Okay. Um, but Hi. Here's Don. Hi, Don. Hi, Don. Welcome to Calm Down Queen. Thank you. I just want to correct. I'm one of many curators at the museum. I don't want to... Yes, absolutely. Don't want to make your other curators mad. Right. We're, they're a rough bunch. You've it's never seen <laughs> anger. You've never seen rage till you've seen an angry curator. It's true. It's true. I'm sure it's a wonderful team of people to make it happen. Thanks so much for being on and for, we're using Don's house. Yeah. Hey, Thanks viewers, the reason us. we sound a little different or more environmental today, meaning you can hear the environment, not that we're green, is that we're in Don's house. I know. Mm-hmm. Which is a lovely house. It's it actually a house. We're in a house today. Yes. It's, Whenever I go into a, a literal house, even if it's in San Francisco, I feel like I'm in someone's parents' house because I know no one I know has a mm-hmm. house. It's a very when we moved here four years ago, it was this odd experience of suddenly realizing we'd become our parents. Oh, right. Yeah, um, but maybe not. <laughs> well, we live in the middle of nowhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like your parents? Like I can't yeah. even get on scruff right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing it's happening. It's like five miles away. Um, let's start with what Don's wearing. Let's talk about it. Do you want to go first? I do. I want to talk about Don's hair. Mm-hmm. It's always super cute. Yeah. It's sort of um, a little bit longer on top, short on the sides. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice little fade going on. Mm-hmm. And it's slicked to one side. Some nice pomade, I think, up in there. Mm-hmm. Almost like a Cupid doll. Mm-hmm. Do right in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, very smart looking glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lovely beard to match his beautiful <laughs> eyes. And I was very delighted. I was hoping because um, Don's very dapper. Um, he wore a cute little bow tie mm-hmm. uh, with pink flamingos on it <laughs> uh-huh. um, for the day. Seems like a special accessory given that he's wearing a t-shirt. Yes. But the t-shirt has some names on it, all of which I don't, I've never seen these names before. We have Audrey, Gloria, Lord. G- Audrey, Lord, Gloria, Anzaldua, Angela, Davis, and Belle. Hooks. Oh, oh my God. That's so funny. Oh my We're God. We're going to pause that for a second. So <laughs> So we were interrupted by the male person who was ringing the doorbell when we got to Bell. Do you want to tell us who Bell is again? Bell Hooks. Great. Got it. (laughs) Not doorbell. Not doorbell. Yeah. They're all mostly black, amazing, queer, feminist women of color. And this uh, shirt, this t-shirt is made by uh, a black butch in Oakland who uh, created this incredible shirt. And I saw it photoshopped onto Willow Smith a few years ago and I didn't know it was photoshopped and I thought oh my god Willow Smith is even cooler than I thought she was and I bought the shirt but then how long did it take you to realize Willow Smith was lying somebody sent me the photo that she actually was in I like because I had posted on Facebook with like total excitement and they crushed my dreams yeah there's that Paris Hilton thing too like the t-shirt that what is it poor people 
I didn't see that one. Never mind. I'm I saw Rihanna wearing a Hecklina t-shirt. I'm pretty sure that was photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then on bottom, oh, we'll talk about Don's bottom, mm-hmm. of course. Go for it. Um, cute little shorts. They're sort of a navy blue. They're cuffed at the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They go over, and his t-shirt's tucked in just mm-hmm. to be a little extra nerdy. Oh, and um, with a, one of those day. belts that matches the, the bow tie. Yeah. The pink flamingo belt. pink flamingo belt. Um, and also some flip-flops. Yep. The flip-flop, flip-flop kind day. of day. Mm-hmm. He's at the beach. Mm-hmm. That's what Don looks like. <laughs> How is it looking upon our beautiful visages? Uh, it's about what I expected. <laughs> wow, that was literally the best answer possible. Felt super insulting. Yes. Um, let's play Inspiring Minds Want to Know. Let's play it. This is when we give you uh, 10 potential opposites or whatever, and you pick one. Do you want to go first? Yes. Brain size, dick size. Brain, um, dick size. Thank you. <laughs> Queer? Gay. Queer. Beard, no beard. Beard. Public, private. Oh, I think it's a false dichotomy. <laughs> Perfect. Dusk, Dawn. Well, Dawn, because it's my name, yo. Uh, wow. Syphilis, gonorrhea. Oh. Um, I, I, you know, I think syphilis. Okay. Castro, Soma. Soma. Sue, Vivi. Oh, I have to go Sue because Sue's my close <laughs> yes. personal friend. That's fair. <laughs> Sylvester Gloria Gaynor. Oh, uh, you know, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But I have to say for actual, like, genuine divaness, Gloria Gaynor. Okay. Candy Darling or Sylvia Riviera? Candy Darling. Wow, that was quick. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don. Thanks, Don. I kind of want to go, since we already started, what about public-private? How is that a false dichotomy? Ah, well, there are scholars like Nyan Shaw who have talked about how this whole notion of privacy is actually a very white, middle-class thing, mm. and that many poor people, people of color, uh, immigrants, and others aren't ascribed the same kind of privacy rights as everybody else. In other words, the... The things that feel uh, private to many of us or that are white and middle class are not private um, to mm-hmm. um, many other people. Mm-hmm. Um, private property ownership, for example, is something that's really a privileged status. Mm-hmm. So the whole right to privacy, um, while incredibly important for queer people, is also one that um, is best or most enjoyed by people who already have a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. Cool. It is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to talk about what you're up to. Okay. I know that we read your bio, but um, maybe you can expand on what you're up to. We want to talk about, obviously, history, because you're a historian. Um, but you talked about just sort of how the um, Fair Education Act is trying to incorporate LGBT history into the curriculum for K-12. Okay, So tell sure. us what you're up to and tell us about the Fair Education Act. Sure, no, okay. I, I know nothing about it. Okay, about a anything. lot of people don't, Just yeah. Just to be clear, Vivi knows nothing about anything, <laughs> so everything you say is going to feel like a revelation. It's like talking to my three-year-old. Great. Yay! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so the Fair Education Act was passed in 2012, or 2011, to start in 2012, and it's supposed to ensure that the roles and contributions of LGBT people and people with disabilities are included in K-12 U.S. history education. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, there's a long list of other people, race, immigrant, uh, women, that there's a law that already sort of includes a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And so this brings LGBT people and people with disabilities into that law. Okay. Okay. 
The problem was that the state passed the law, the legislature did, but they didn't give any funding to the implementation of it, nor did they put a penalty on the other side if school districts did nothing. So since okay. 2012, very few school districts have done anything to address the law, how to bring up like, queer people mm-hmm. into history. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Weird. Yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was involved with this national organization called the Committee on LGBT History, which is basically the national organization for queer historians. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do something about this. And so we looked at this thing called the framework, which is basically the roadmap for what K-12 teachers are supposed to teach. Mm-hmm. And we systematically went through it and found where we could include LGBT history. Wow. And so it's a 68-page report, and it's by like all of the top scholars in the field. And it uh, people can 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 you put a link somewhere yeah. to yeah. it? Can, okay, so people website. can check out the okay. uh, the report, the Making the Framework Fair report. Okay, but um, so we we basically said changes can be made in second grade, mm. fourth grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, and eleventh grade. Mm. Okay, and so there's been this whole struggle since we launched the report last September mm. to get the California Department of Education to actually bring in the recommended changes that we've made. Mm-hmm. And so I think by, certainly by next summer, uh, we should know how much of it has been in- included. Mm-hmm. I think at least a third of our report will probably end up in the framework. Okay. And that will make it like vastly, mm-hmm. uh, like it will make it the most by far uh, inclusive uh, framework of any in the United States. Okay. It's gonna be like history making. Right. Okay. What do you think the biggest challenges are to getting it implemented? Well, I think that um, there isn't a lot of curriculum developed, so teachers don't know what to teach. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of K-12 teachers, like the rest of us, don't know anything about LGBT history. Right. They don't know how it relates to anything else about um, U.S. history, and mm-hmm. so they imagine maybe that if they kind of throw a mention of Harvey Milk in, they're done, mm-hmm. right? And we really want to make sure that um, they understand that LGBT, the LGBT past has to be sewn into every element of sort of how we understand the U.S. past. Yeah. So everything from the recognition that when we talk about communities and families, we need to talk about the reality of family diversity. So single parented families, uh, immigrant families families of divorce, families with foster and adoptive children, LGBT families. So like in second grade, when you talk about like, what's a family, what's a community? Mm-hmm. Like that's the way it should be taught. That's, mm-hmm. that's our recommendation in that grade. Um, but then all the way through um, US history, there are important ways to think about how gender and sexuality uh, change over time and how that affects the ways that laws happen and people relate to each other, mm-hmm. um, why it is that uh, LGBT people have to create a political movement in the 1950s to um, reclaim or claim uh, our rights and our dignity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of those things are part of hopefully what uh, K-12 students will start to understand. Okay. Yeah, that's where my mind went to just like implementation. There's 
there's no resources, right? Like, I wonder, right. what are there? Like, so you're a kindergarten teacher. What is there for books that you can read? What is there for curriculum activities that have been developed? And again, those teachers have not been educated, right? That's right. not part of their curriculum when they go to school. Yeah. Um, and so it really needs to go all the way back to then part of the curriculum um, when somebody gets their degree in education. Queer history needs to be part of their curriculum so they can then teach it. That's and right. There needs and what, to be books written, textbooks. Exactly. And, all that. and what we realized was the framework is sort of once it's in the framework, that's what will be taught in history education to uh, master students who are going, you know, becoming teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it'll be the basis on which textbooks are produced. It's the basis on which um, in-service programming will be done for teachers to do teacher training, mm-hmm. ongoing teacher training. So it's kind of it's the place to it's the source root of how we can build out all of these other things mm-hmm. because otherwise, it is really catch as catch can people are just trying to figure it out on their own and it's it's really it's really hard because there's not a lot of material out there that's right. geared toward k-12 education mm-hmm. about queer history mm-hmm. it, go ahead uh, i was gonna say it's a bummer that like i mean it's a bummer for any marginalized history but like that queer history has to be presented as this other thing as if it's not already part of history right, right? Mm-hmm. like the telling of the american history doesn't already include queer stories which are so prevalent in so many ways yeah but that it that it needs to be like shoehorned into something that already exists. Like American history should queer should include queer history, history of Black people, history of immigrants. Like it just yeah. should. Yeah. So really, also to me, the fact that you you all have to do such a big job on entering into the framework just highlights the problem with the way with some of our education in our system of mm-hmm. like totally. leaving out people, and it's just reinforcing this dominant paradigm of like there were only these people and then there were these people as opposed to, I don't know. Yeah, and one of the really big things we're pushing the California Department of Education on is they kind of think of um, these things as very incremental. So when they brought in women and black people and immigrants into it, it's like, first it was like the one mention of Susan B. Anthony or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And then like, okay, fine, we'll mention pioneer women or something. But over time, they've built more into it. And what we said to them is, look, you know that's not the right way to do this inclusion. Like, you know that we should just do it all at once, yeah. right? Don't pretend like that's the, like, um, the best way to do it intellectually or in terms of the scholarship that's known or even in terms of what's good for the kids. Like, mm-hmm. the best way to do it is to bring in the best of what we, what we know now and give our kids the chance to really learn that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This might be a hard question. Okay. Right? But... Um, just because it leaves people out, but what are maybe top three um, historical figures in queer history that you think people should start with or know about? Awesome. That's a great question. Thanks. People, people ask all the time because <laughs> they want to distill this 68-page document. Right. And that's totally understandable. <laughs> that's like so not what academics do. But right. okay. So I would say the three most important things that I would like students to come away with is number one, that gender diversity has happened throughout history um, from uh, Native American ways of practicing um, two-spirit traditions through cross-dressing in the American West, through uh, the evolution of the LGB, but especially the trans movement. Um, And that that's a a social reality and something that's a part of our society. And that's why we want that starting at like second grade, Mm -hmm. because that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, The second really big one is why did LGBT people become a political minority movement? And I think that starts 
um, with the teaching of something called the Lavender Scare. Okay. So in the 1950s, you know of the McCarthy Red Scare thing, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Well, as it turns out, there was a much more long-lasting and comprehensive Lavender Scare. This historian named David K. Johnson wrote a book on it with the same title, Lavender Scare, um, where many thousands of Americans were fired from their jobs, um, attacked, committed suicide, uh, because of this federal government on down state, systematic state persecution mm -hmm. of LGBT people and people who were sympathetic to them. Okay. So I think that's really important for people mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third thing that I think is incredibly important for people to know is the major Supreme Court decisions mm -hmm. that have led us to um, the most recent gay marriage one. Okay. Um, and so that they will understand that uh, we are squarely a part of this American story of equality and what it means to become a rights-bearing people um, under the eyes of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, like, as a civics lesson, I think that's mm -hmm. an incredibly important thing for young people to know, sure. whatever they make of it, right? Okay. Kids can have all sorts of different views about uh, LGBT rights and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but to just know that that's part of the conversation mm -hmm. is important. If you think about history education at the K-12 level, it's about teaching people how to be good citizens or mm -hmm. learn how to be good citizens. Mm -hmm. And so I think those would be really important okay. citizenship lessons. Okay. I have a few questions. Yeah. What, when you say good citizens, what does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is that they're really participatory, they are, they're really active, mm -hmm. that they understand diversity. Mm -hmm and that's a social reality. Okay. And then they grapple with that as part of how they figure things out. Okay. So you're a terrible citizen, yeah. if that helps. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't understand so any of the words you just oh, You no. do none of those things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're a good citizen. I'm sorry, were you saying something I was scrapping? No. Okay, okay. Um, and then, well I, two, well, I have a kind of a comment, then a question, which is, um, the lavender scare. I, yeah. This I'm asking you as a prof you as a professional, me as a, not a professional of anything. Mm -hmm. When I was in eighth ninth grade, I did a. It was like when we learned how to write a research paper properly, and we did a parenthetical documentation. And I was very gay, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it on Fire Island." <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I researched the pines and the the pines and the, the what up, Cherry Grove. 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 Thank you. <laughs> what? <laughs> and um. I just remember, I don't remember much of it, but I remember like that the police would raid that area a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, do you, do you know if that was part of the Lavender Scare or was that just, I know it was like leading up to Stonewall, so it must have been. Yeah, I mean, really the, the 1950s are like the absolute low point in the status of queer people uh, in America. So before that, they're less under sort of the systematic eye of the law. Um, and there's less of a public awareness and attentiveness to them. Uh, and then after that, of course, there's the gay liberationist movement and lesbian feminist movement and all that great stuff. But in that middle period, uh, it's the time when um, the police were really able to get away with um, just terrible atrocities mm -hmm. and, and violations of mm -hmm. gay people's basic rights. Gay people didn't have a right to assemble. Right. Uh, until the mid 1960s through the mid 1970s in the mm -hmm. United States. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't have a they didn't have a right to free speech um, until the late 1950s and early 1960s. Like mm -hmm. they couldn't um, send something in the mail, for example, that said something about homosexuality without the postmaster general potentially um, prosecuting them mm -hmm. for it. Was there a time before that at which 
it wasn't an issue to really be queer in the United States? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that exactly, but certainly um, in the uh, early 20th century, there was, so in the like 1900s through 1920s, there were proliferating urban gay worlds um, mm -hmm. that were rich and diverse um, and included everything like from the, ha the Harlem Renaissance to uh, street cruising and uh, huge drag balls mm -hmm. um, and there were <laughs> Sorry, like, not those kind balls. of balls <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean it was really it's, it's, um, it, it was uh, um, it was a very different time in terms mm -hmm. of how things were seen and then from the 30s onward the culture and the politics really started to clamp down aggressively right was there a significant difference in like quote-unquote queer identity at that time then like would people, like, right now I identify as queer or gay or fat. Yeah. Then, was it as fixed an identity or as, like, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it was totally different. Like, in the late 19th and early 20th century, um, middle-class white women who had lifelong relationships with other women wouldn't have necessarily thought of themselves as lesbian because the term lesbian was this, like, medical term mm. for these kind of perverse women who were um, mentally ill mm -hmm. um, or their bodies were deformed in some way to be more mannish, right? Okay. I'm using really the language of that time, right? right? <laughs> and so they didn't see themselves as lesbians. They saw themselves as um, women in romantic friendships or mm -hmm. Boston marriages. Um, you had all sorts of different categories that aren't as familiar today, like um, wolves for like uh, vagrant men who um, had primary affinities with younger guys who were called punks um, oh. on, the, on the whole hobo scene. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, you did have a notion of trade, like mm -hmm. maybe it's more familiar, this kind of masculine street trade, um, straight identifying but willing to engage for money or whatever. But you also had this uh, whole world of fairies, which were... Mm -hmm. Uh, flamboyant, maybe gender, what we think of as gender queer or trans now, but also gay, um, male-bodied people who um, sometimes dressed as women, sometimes dressed really flamboyantly, and who often sold sex alongside prostitutes. Mm -hmm. um, and they were much, very much a part of the working class world. So a lot of the men who had sex with them didn't think of themselves, they wouldn't have thought of themselves as um, queer, they would have thought of themselves as normal because they were sticking it into a hole mm -hmm. and that would make them normal mm. versus the hole that was being stuck into. I have a follow-up question to that. Yeah. So based on the two things you just said, it sounds like, like queer identity was really galvanized by the, the lavender menace and then we had our queer liberation movement and all that. Do you think the straight identity was affected in a similar, not a similar way, but also similarly galvanized? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Heterosexuality uh, as defined as the opposite of homosexuality is really something that evolves over the 20th century. Okay. And it's interesting now because I think that, I think those categories are starting to uh, break apart and separate in some ways, um, not just because of bisexuality, but I think that, or pansexuality, but I think that there's just a greater awareness that these identity categories are just identity categories and that they don't necessarily fit any of us perfectly. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think we should move on to 
uh, asking for a friend. We should. Can yeah. I ask one more question? Yes, please. I think I'm just curious, mostly, I mean, for myself, but also for our listeners, as Vivi calls them, viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm thinking of, like, queer history, if somebody wanted to learn more. Like, mm-hmm. where is a starting point? Like, I'm trying to think of starting points for people in. Like, Lavender Scare sounds like a good starting point, but do you have any recommendations? Maybe we can put a little reading list on the website, but, like, yeah. what's a good overview, general book or books? that? Yeah, so there's, there's one that's uh, by Vicki Eekler called... Um, uh, a People's History of Queer America. Mm-hmm. That's a very good one that's kind of just a survey textbook um, that is geared towards kind of late high school, early college. Uh, it's very accessible, okay. and uh, I think that's a great place to start. And it's fairly recent, so mm-hmm. it has a lot of, uh, if you look in the back of books oftentimes, Sue, right. uh, they will tell you the source material that okay. was used to oh. write the book. Look at that. What's that called? And <laughs> that's called a bibliography. A b- a b- a b- a what? A b- b- <laughs> <laughs> Can you say it one more time? Sources consulted. Okay. Sources consulted. Is that, is that below the She's a new picture? queen. I've seen her performing a try something. Sources, <laughs> her sources consulted and her sister bibliography. Is that like that little blurb? What's the blurb in OK Magazine when like Beyonce's in New York? Like is that the source? Mm-mm. No? No. Okay. Not quite. Well, I'll try to understand this further. <laughs> but I'm sure we have some intelligent listeners who know what that is. And so if we the bibliography. List, yeah. So if we list things on the website, they might read them. Right, great. Okay. And if people want to know my scholarship, yes. they can yeah. actually go to my academia.edu site, which is like the social media site where academics post their own scholarship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just post that. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to say it? Not really. I can't remember what it is right no. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to go to, we do a section with our guest called Asking for a Friend, where we have people write in and ask for advice. Okay. And then as non-advice professionals, we give our advice. Yes. Do you want to sing the theme song? We have a theme song for advice. You always sing the theme song. I do for this one. I think so. I do. I. What is? How does it go, Don? Do you remember it from (laughs) listening to all of our episodes? I don't. (laughs) Maybe we don't need to do it. Oh, I did. um, Block out when you sing. (laughs) Thank you for asking for a friend. That's what it was. I just made that up a little. No, that was it. No, you didn't make Um, it up. You've done it before. Because we got questions for you. (laughs) I know it's. My vocal coach has been really rough on me lately. Yeah, vocal coach. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question. This is kind of written as a character. It's from a drag queen slash homosexual male. Male bodied. I've been following a strapping young man on the bus for a year or so now. Creepy. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy my morning cup of coffee while I watch him ride the Muni for hours. How can I work up the courage to go up to this man and use my womanly wiles to make him want to fuck me? Wow. Womanly wiles. Sounds a little misogynistic. Mm-hmm. So how do you get the courage to go talk to someone? I feel like we answer this question like every other episode. Mm-hmm. How do you get the courage to talk to someone that you think is cute? On the bus in particular, I feel like it's a little more um, challenging because you're not at a gay bar. You don't know if they're gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hung up on the part of the question that said that that they were on the Muni for hours. I mean, I know Muni's bad. <laughs> that's, really, yeah. that's really something. Okay, yeah. but that's not the main point Step of the question. Step one, stop being creepy. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, how about get off the Muni every once in a while and walk? Stop staring at somebody drinking coffee for hours. Get some exercise. Stop. Get off the bus. Also, that means the guy's on the bus for an hour. So at least hours. That means they have okay. an opening. They have something in common. Right. Right. Okay. Um, 
I would say uh, that the best possible way to do it is probably to um, cruise the person a little bit just to make sure if they give you the eyes to indicate that they are interested in some way in some kind of approach, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And if they are, then start with some sassy, sissy conversation. Mm -hmm. And if they are straight uh, but bent, um, they will be inclined perhaps to that sissiness of you. Okay. Um, I, have a, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's a whole other section. <laughs> well, no, another I have, episode I have, we'll get to. I have a cruising question. Oh, I'm going to treat you like a problem. Don, because you answer that. So my question is, how do you know when someone's cruising you or when oh. they're just looking at you because they're disgusted, confused, or curious? <sighs> I hate that. That's... In, uh, I'm terrible at cruising. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would never, ever approach someone in the way that I'm describing. Oh, okay. How would you, how would you actually IRL do it? If you were. IRL, I would uh, drink my coffee and look down at my phone and then walk away. Okay. Good. Wah, wah. Good. I have two suggestions. Okay. <laughs> One is open scruff on your phone that and see if they're on scruff. Yes. yes. I hold it up to them like this. <laughs> and I wave my phone in their face so and I go, woof. That's what. Woof. And if they do nothing, then I know they're not yeah. on the scrap. If someone did that to me, I'd be like, we're getting breakfast together. Oh, good. Okay. I'd See? be so into it. Um, and then the other thing is, use the Muni as an open air. Just sit next to them and exactly. go, right. Muni, am I right? And right. then, like, that'll start something. Muni says, yes, Vivi, you're right. I, can I? Can I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I don't know. You said, am I right, Muni? Oh, got it. Yeah. So I was responding as Muni. Got it. Um, I think I just start with a lap dance. I mean, I think that that's a mm -hmm. fine opener, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's already sitting. There's True. a pole right there. There is a, a pole. <laughs> he's potentially man spreading. I hope. Uh -huh. Oh, right. And I room think, for you. I think you just you just hop on it, mm. right? Hop I on mean, him. Yeah, on his lap. On his lap. On his I mean, man's worst spread. case scenario is you get a dollar. What's that's not the worst case scenario. <laughs> I can for think me, of other cases worse. For me, that's the worst. Okay. Yeah. What's the best? <laughs> the best is a twenty. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But either way, you have a story, mm -hmm. and that's what it's about for me. It's about creating a story. Really? Yeah. You, you know what? Actually, because it is Muni, you could totally stand next to the guy, and then when Muni suddenly lurched, oh. you could accidentally fall on his lap and That's then true. laugh about it. That's true. And see where he goes with that. Or stand right near him while he's sitting and rub your junk on his elbow. No. 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 <laughs> I, okay. Not as well received. That's, no. Oh. I, I, have a, I have a strategic move, which is <laughs> wait for like a block or two before your stop and then go start talking to the person. And then you're like, oh, wait, I have to get off. I'll see you tomorrow. Or right. don't say I'll see you tomorrow. That's too creepy. But like... Nice talking to you, and then you can get off the bus, and then you see them the next time. Hey, how are you? Yeah, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's an en entree. Entree? Entrance. Yes. Also, don't have coffee breath. Uh, good mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Good idea. That feels pointed. Do I need gum? <laughs> also, if the, if the guy is sleeping, wake him up first. Uh, oh, really? Well, I mean, if you're riding the Mooney for hours, he might huh. be napping on the... I would have done that differently, but... Um, <laughs> I have one final thought and then we can, I think that's enough advice, don't yeah. you? Mm -hmm. I want to say like, cause I think this question comes up often, which is how do I get the courage? Oh, right? Yeah. And in some ways it's like, well, you don't. Yep. You just do it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't try to not be scared. Don't try to necessarily feel super confident and courageous. Just do it yeah. while you're scared. And then it happens. And much like most animals, cause we are animals. Mm -hmm. He's probably more scared of you <laughs> than you are of it. Mm-hmm. 
So just go. Mm-hmm. Do it. There's some quote that I'm going to butcher where it's something like, Oof. heroes and losers uh, both feel fear, but the hero goes forward anyway. It's not losers, but it's something like You know what? Actually, when my daughter, my older daughter was five, uh-huh. she said what is super profound to me, which I said to her, um, um, don't be scared, you're brave. And she said, you can't be brave without being scared. Wow. Wow, a five-year-old said that? She sounds like a yeah, smart. She pants. is a real smart pants. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I really like that. I yeah. mean, that's real. It's right? true. It's true. Like, because br- bravery isn't the absence of fear. It's no. The, no. It's the knowledge overcoming of it. She said it yeah. much better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it. That's it. I, I mean, we want to, as we go out, maybe talk about what we're all up to. Next. Oh yeah, right. Don, Do you have anything exciting coming up? This will um, be coming out on Monday. So anything after Monday? Right. I don't have anything exciting before Monday. Oh, okay. Um. So uh, a long-term thing, the GLBT Historical Society is going to be celebrating. Uh, Compton Cafeteria Riot's uh, 50th anniversary, which is coming up next year. What? Yeah, and, um, and so we're going to do a whole year-long series of events and actions and things, some at the museum, uh, some around the city. We're going to partner with some organizations and people. We're super excited by it, and we're just starting to plan it now, but look out for that. That's right. awesome. Yeah. And check out the museum in general. It's amazing. Yes. And if you want to see a huge uh, bathhouse orgy mural uh, oh. from the Bulldog Baths, you have to get there um, before uh, the second week of October because it's okay. coming down. All right. What are the Bulldog Baths? The Bulldog Baths are now a place where dogs can actually get a bath, okay. sadly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's across the street from Aunt Charlie's. Yes. When it opened, we were oh like, is God. that for dogs or people? Because it didn't say. It was uh, the infamous Bulldog Baths, really? which was an amazing bathhouse oh before San Francisco's government closed down all of the bathhouses oh, in San Francisco in the God. mid-1980s. That's wow. so crazy. I, that's so funny because when it opened, like I literally called them to find out if they were a bathhouse or a doghouse. Yes. Both. Bathhouse for dogs. Okay. Sue? <laughs> so obviously, um, September 25th, this Friday, is the Tiara Sensation pageant at the De Young Museum. Yes, that's true. And actually, Don's daughter is going to be one of the people in my number. That's so excited. So, like, I've been waiting to be able to perform I am more her. excited than yeah, her. I, I am she's, totally, she's like, uh, like, stage momming right? the hell it's out gonna of her. It's going to be so good. Um, so I'm excited for that coming up. Um, I feel like I already won because I have such an amazing cast and we're just having a blast and whatever happens, happens. Um, we do that, obviously, every Thursday at the Edge. I do the Monster Show um, with Sugar Beaties and MC2. Um, and then on October 3rd is whatever happened to Bianca Del Rio at the Castro Theater with Peaches Christ and your Bianca Del Rio. Yes. Okay. Awesome. What, what do you, do you got? I got, well, we have the pageant, the 25th, as you said, the 25th. I already talked about that. At the De Young starts at 6.30 p.m. It's free. It's a drag pageant featuring nine of San Francisco's best drag and nightlife performers, including burlesquers, but it's totally family friendly. And it, there's nothing like seeing children, old people, museum goers with the drag queen. That's it's true. It's really cool. And then after that, we have... At the stud, we have Marty Gold Cummings from New York is doing a one-woman show all night long. Mm-hmm. And we also have the crowning of the winner of the pageant at the stud. It happens there. And then um, it's Folsom weekend, so I will be face down, ass up, in, at home. Right. All alone. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's, That's how I sleep. Yeah. That's how I sleep. With the door open. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah. She took the door off the hinges. There's no door. Yeah. <laughs> that's really it I mean and then every Friday at the stud club something we are there every week it's so fun 
Um, if you have questions for us, you can email us at calmdownqueen at gmail.com mm-hmm. and go to our website, calmdownqueen.com, um, and check out the latest episodes and links to various things we talk about on our on our episodes with guests. And please review and like us on iTunes. Yes. Um, and Don, if people want to find you, where should they find you? Uh, they can find me at don.romsberg at sonoma.edu. And I should also mention that uh, the GLBT History Museum is always looking for volunteers, and we yes. would love to have anyone come and play with us. Wonderful. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Don. Thanks for being Bye. here. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.